Hi everyone, it's Marilyn Loria and welcome to Who Can It Be Now? And this is another interview that I have pulled out of my archives. Deborah Roberts, I loved this interview so much that I was like, we have to put this on our podcast. And the thing that I'm gonna ask you to do after I tell you a little bit about this interview, actually I'll tell you this right now, make sure you go into the show notes and check out her information because it has changed a bit since we did this interview. Because a lot of times when I interview people, I always want to um, talk about, you know, what they're doing, their opt-ins, their website, because like I've said before in other interview introductions, if you've heard me say this, I really want to get people in front of you that are, I really feel are incredible people so that I can help you if you're looking for something, help you with your research. So you're not going through like 10 people and trying to find the right person. If I can make your life easier and say, Hey, here's Deborah Roberts. She does relationships and she's an EMDR therapist. You're going to be like, great, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm going to go check out Deborah Roberts. So Deborah Roberts and I were in a mastermind together, and I liked her from the instant I met her. Very down to earth, great person. And this was a very kind of uh, competitive type of mastermind. So it wasn't like everybody gelled. And I really, really liked her. And she's an EMDR therapist. She lives in Long Island in New York. And she was right. I believe she wrote a book. And I'll talk about this in the interview. I did not listen to the interview again. So forgive me if I'm like, Marilyn, she wrote a book. You talked about the whole book, about the whole thing. You know, I do things like that. But anyway, what I loved about this interview was the way she described how to resolve conflict in relationships. And it was a way in which, and I went to couples therapy years ago with um, the guy that I lived with. And it was really interesting to go into couples therapy and learn how to communicate. And she had such a uh, similar approach, but a lot more respectful. Like the approach I learned was respectful, but this was like really vulnerable, transparent, quite beautiful. And she walks us through it a bit in this interview. And I really was so fascinated by her. I love the way she holds herself. And I was fascinated by her work that I was like, people really need to hear this interview because a lot of us struggle with relationships, whether it's with siblings, our spouses, our parents. And when we learn how to be able to communicate our needs in a relationship, I think it can really help us I know it can help us grow and can also help heal the relationship as well. And it could also help you make a very good decision about the relationship when you're able to put the cards on the table, share how you feel, and then see how the person responds to that. So I know that you're going to enjoy this interview quite a bit. Deborah is a great, great person. And again, I'm going to repeat, make sure that you go into the show notes and read her links because they've changed since the interview. And I want to make sure that if you want to work with Deborah, find out more about Deborah, what she's offering, that you get the correct information. So go into the show notes and check it out. They are all correct in there. We contacted Deborah and we were like, we want to share your interview. And she was like, let me listen to it because it was a while ago. And she listened to it and she's like, that's great. But the links are not correct any longer. So we corrected all of that. I know you're going to love her as much as I love her. She is an incredible person. Actually, a few years ago, I can't remember how many years ago because time like, you know, I don't remember. It doesn't matter anymore. Time is not linear. But I was looking for an EMDR therapist after she explained to me what EMDR was. And she got me someone and I worked with that person for quite some time and they were really, really helpful. So check out Deborah Roberts, check out her links, listen to this interview. You're going to gain some really great insights onto how to deal with uh, relationships and if you're having difficulty and enjoy. And I will see you. There'll be a little bit of music and then you'll hear me. Enjoy it.
Start the recording. Hey, 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 everyone. So this is Deborah Roberts, and uh, I'm super excited to hear this too. So I'm going to introduce Deborah. I'm going to tell you how I know Deborah, and I'm also going to share a really quick thing because I think Deborah is going to be such a great person for all of us to talk to right now. So I met Deborah. She's in my mastermind group with Adam Urbanski, our coach, um, and we got on a phone conversation and just to get to know each other. And I was really, really impressed. I actually can't wait to hear what you have to say, Deborah, because um, I just got off a phone with somebody who's considering joining either membership or Soulfinder Academy. And the, the, her story is so, there's so much trauma. Like it's like just broke my heart. And Deborah deals a lot with that and has created a program. I'd say guys, you know, take a picture of Deborah right now because she's going to be, she's going to be a household name. She's already a household name. She's going to be a household name big time. So, um, I want to just, I'm going to read her bio because we like to have that recorded and then we're going to go into talking to her and, um, I, anybody and people watching on Facebook and all, uh, Deborah Roberts is a social worker and LCSW licensed clinical social worker with many years of experience working with all types of relationships in her private practice and consulting with businesses in her yearly, er, in her <laughs> in her early years at nonprofits, we're very loosey goosey here, by the way, Deborah. Deborah got to work with troubled youths. Oh, I think I definitely want to put you in touch. Let me just explain who I am. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I love reading it. Deborah got to work with troubled youths because I love to see it too. Poverty, legal <laughs> services, you're going to have time to talk. A mental health clinic, all about you. And a national health organization, it was impactful work. This is where she learned that communication shapes relationships and always impacts the quality of our lives. Deborah has been in the trenches working with all types of difficult, hopeless, and challenging relationships. Wow. She, it's so, uh, it's always so magical how I could, like, I, I have to put you in touch with this woman because I feel like you can help her. She knows what it takes to quickly turn things around, grow confidence quickly, and put you in the driver's seat. Welcome, Deborah. Yay. <laughs> so, Deborah, what everybody loves to learn here because everybody's pretty much on a spiritual journey and a lot of people are creating their own businesses and everything. They love to hear your story. They love to hear what, and I'm going to, as you tell your story, I'm listening. I'm going to get up and get a pad because I make notes and I ran out of paper. But tell us your story about how you came to do what you do today, and then we'll go from there. So I won't take the entire hour and a half telling my story, but I could. Um, to shortcut it, I will say that I am a social worker first over everything else. I consider myself a communication specialist, a relationship expert, a businesswoman. Um, but I started out and my heart will always be a social worker. Um, and I have had a private practice for many years. I've worked with um, and not just working with personal relationships. I've worked with businesses, I've worked with politicians, I've worked with all sorts of characters uh, and all sorts of types of relationships. But the common thing that I always brought that I subsequently found out was different than my colleagues was I always wanted people to feel comfortable. They're sitting in front of me, they're there for a reason, they're not liking each other, they're feeling stuck, they're faced with a problem, they have no idea how to talk to each other, crisis, you name it, I've seen it. Um, I became the person who they'd send all of the relationships to. Divorce lawyers would say, I can't have these two people in the same building, you know, what can we do? My job was within the first meeting to try and figure out a way to get them to at least start to feel comfortable, feel a little more hopeful, and start to communicate with each other. And so that just became my mission. 
to figure out how to get these two people to talk to each other. Ultimately, after doing it for many years, I realized, uh, and it took a long time, which I, I wanted to mention also, because I know you'll appreciate this, Marilyn. Um, it took me over 20 years to realize that I was doing something different than everybody else. Mm. And when I finally figured it out and I did my due diligence to make sure that I didn't, you know, by osmosis, take on someone else's model, because I didn't want to put this out there and then find out, are you kidding? That's so-and-so's, you know. Um, when I found that it was my own, I ended up writing a book. I didn't even know I'd be writing a book. Never been on social media before, to be honest. It just was not, you know, I was a therapist. I'm like, what am I going to do on social media? Not, I don't really care what people are eating for lunch. That's how I looked at it. Um, but that being said, Fast forward, this is four or five years later, the last three years, I realized the book isn't going to sell itself, but also I created a course. I've done much more consulting with businesses, and I've really created something that I see can be duplicated, and people respond to it, and it is proven, and it is simple, and everybody can do it. Um, and so I've become a woman on a mission to teach people how to talk to each other. And I gave myself the self-proclaimed title communication specialist, which I don't even really know what it means, but it feels like it sounds fancy and suits me. I but I, I teach like the nuts and bolts of how do you have a conversation and how do you have a healthy relationship? So okay. I have a lot of questions about this, but the first question that's coming to mind is, I'm, I'm also assuming this helps you to communicate with yourself. Is that correct? Well, what I love about that question is, um, so I have this course, and every time I do the course, I have- Tell us the title of your books and the title of your course too, because we'll give all that information, but they're gonna to wanna to know who you are and be able to follow sure. you and stuff like that. No, I'm good at that part. So um, <laughs> my model is called the Relationship Protocol. It didn't have a name, by the way, until I wrote the book. Before I, would, I never took a note before I wrote the book. So. Um, as my husband said, when I was writing, it came out of my cells. Like, it just was amazing. Um, it's called The Relationship Protocol. It's been out quite a few years. It is, um, and I can talk a little more in a bit about my model, but um, I have two different courses. One is for the general public. It's for people that want to improve their communication, and it really transforms what's going on for you in all of your relationships and with yourself in 10 weeks. And then I have the same course that I'm going to start offering for businesses and companies to improve communication there in, in September. The reason I mentioned it is in the course, I teach the model and then I have uh, the mantra, which is just a quick pocket version so you can remember it. Someone who took the course said to me, you know, I, I hope you don't mind, but I took your mantra and I, I also wrote a self mantra because you keep talking about self and self-awareness and the relationship protocol. And I ended up adding that to the course because the same thing that we offer to others in our relationship, we do need to offer to ourselves, make that commitment to ourselves. And so perfect. It's, it's absolutely how we uh, treat ourselves as well. That's great. I love this. And uh, so tell me about well, when you work with relationships, let me just go there for a second first. Do you, is it any relationship? Is it relationship of mother and son and husband and daughter, uh, husband and, you know, father and daughter? Is it any relationship? All relationships. This model is universal. You can take any of these concepts and apply them in any, any important, your neighbor. You have a neighbor that's a pain. Yes. In your 
the same the, the same way I, I mean a little bit different but the the essential concepts are the same if you have a neighbor who's a pain in the neck and you want to go have a conversation with them i can tell you how to do it that it's that type of a thing so this is it's this isn't brain surgery i'm not that smart and i'm i'm pretty simple and you know it's just a practical thing when i was writing the book i remember thinking like do people don't people know this you know it's because when I talk about what I'm teaching, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. I'm teaching you things that you already know, but I'm showing you how to revamp them so that tweak them so that you can use them to your advantage to, to have a more productive conversation, to not be bickering anymore, to build trust um, and to deal with challenging people or, and even just to have a normal, healthy relationship. It doesn't have to be about conflict. So I'm assuming, okay, so when you wrote down the, when you wrote it in the book, you were already practicing this model that you teach, correct? And seeing amazing results quickly. And then the book must build on the technique. Is that correct? Like when you're, do, this, are there steps? Like, do you have to do one, two, three, four, and five? So the model has two key elements and four steps. And what I recommend usually is read through the book or take the class and you do things, pick what, if you're reading the book, pick what resonates with you. So if you want to start giving everybody around you the benefit of the doubt, if that's something that really clicks for you, then that's what you start to do. It's, you, you can't learn it all at one time. It's not that it's complicated, it's just a lot to take in. And I want people to be successful. So I want you to just start thinking differently. I'll tell you a quick story that. Yeah, tell us anything. It's your time. We want to <laughs> learn. <laughs> I was, uh, when I wrote the book, uh, so it was still a manuscript, a big word. Um, it was a word doc to me, but a manuscript to this woman that I brought it to, who was an editor, uh, a private editor. Um, I, she was in Manhattan. I uh, went to her apartment after I had emailed it to her. She called me up and said, okay, it's all edited. She's the first person who read it outside of my family before it got published. I was so nervous. I thought, you, just, you know, it's total vulnerability. I went flying up the stairs to her brownstone and oh, exhausted. She's like, it's fine. Relax. I get into her apartment and she said, I'm going to start by telling you a story. It will totally calm you down. This woman, I think, is in probably her 50s. She said, my boyfriend called the other day and he said, I have to ask you this question. What's going on with you? You're so different. She said, what do you mean? You're so different. Everything about you is different. You're just, you're nice. You're not arguing. I, I don't know. You're just nice or whatever you're doing, like keep it up. And she said, all right, whatever. And she hung up the phone, didn't think about it. And then a moment later picked up my manuscript and realized the only thing that she was doing differently was reading my book. <gasps> the only thing. And it, by reading it and absorbing it because she was really paying attention she was editing it not just uh, you know for content as well as uh for um reg other grammarly and whatever grammar edits yeah. but that's how simple it is you start to think oh or another woman a purchasing agent um left a message on my answering machine at my office and said yeah i'm usually uh, not so nice to the people who come to my desk because they're so annoying all day they're bothering me i'm like yeah busy can't help you whatever and she said i started realizing if i just pick my head up and i say i'm sorry i'm busy right now can you come back or if i smile at them and i say not now they left 
much more pleased and happier than if I don't pick my head up. And all it took was a simple action of picking my head up and making eye contact with another human being and being a little friendly that created a little warmth versus this isolation that she had created for herself and, and figured nobody liked her and couldn't figure out why. Mm. Has your book, have you thought about your book for uh, salespeople? Yeah, well, that's what I do with, not so much directly for salespeople, but when I go into companies and I'm, I'm, the essence of my model is connecting with the other person's experience. So that's how we connect, right? So a salesperson, the essence of what they're supposed to be doing, I think, uh, in addition to closing the deal, which I'm not as good at, but I'm really good at connecting. So the, the point is that if you can connect with the customer wherever they, starting where they are you have a different conversation going on so that's where it's applicable for sure yeah i'm like you deborah i'm good at the connection and then i'm like yeah make a decision decide what you want to do exactly it's free will <laughs> what'd you say <laughs> it's free will you want yeah to like whatever i i wouldn't be the right teacher if i was to say join you know i think it'd be great for the program you'll learn a lot you decide um, so why do, because I want to get into your model a little bit, but I want to know first why people struggle with communication, because I do want to say this real quick, and I like to ask a lot of questions, but I'm so fascinated by your topic, so I'm kind of diving in myself. Sure. I'm thinking about people that are very empathic, like that woman at, at the, uh, the one who was like, get away, get away, get away, get away, super sensitive, having an experience that people didn't like or didn't know why. So are there different reasons why people struggle with communication or is there an overarching theme? Like, I guess that's my question. I'm so curious. A little bit of both. Um, the main overarching theme that I've found is that there is this huge misconception amongst people in our society that we should know how to communicate. And that in fact, we do know how to communicate. In my experience, most people don't know how to communicate are not effective communicators. Now they may be effective in small talk or BS kind of talk, but when it really gets down to, you don't like what someone else is saying or doing or how you're being treated, all that kind of stuff, we all tend to clam up. We don't really know how to fight effectively. Uh, it's not an exact science. Even when I teach it, I can't tell you I'm an expert at it in that way. You know, If you argue with me, I'm not always gonna handle it using my model exactly. Um, but because it just does, life doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. But there are basic ground rules for having conversations that I teach that are, again, the nuts and bolts that most people did not grow up in homes where parents modeled it or taught their children. No, go over and talk to Johnny. That wasn't nice that you heard him. Now, what can you say to Johnny? Mm. You know, as opposed to say sorry. It, it's not that you had to, to do that, but just in I don't even know if that's a great example, but just in general, we were not taught how to have conversations, how to deal with conflicts, and usually it wasn't modeled. And it, they don't teach it in school. There's no class in school teaching you how to have a healthy relationship, how to get out of a bad relationship, how to communicate with people that are challenging or conflicted or whatever it is. So I, I think the reason so many people struggle is because it's not their fault. Nobody ever taught them how to do it. Well, something you said, I actually think it's a good example because when you were explaining like little Johnny and stuff like that, we're all in this protection mode trying to take care of ourselves. And you said something early on about how communication is about 
understanding the other person's experience. What did you, what was the exact wording you used? Because it sounded like something. Well, a bigger word than to explain in a bigger sentence is the more important the relationship is to you, the more important it is that you connect with the other person's experience. That's that's the guts of my model. It's powerful. Yeah, because of course, you know, and I'm sure everybody on the call is doing this. They're putting, I'm bringing up the most difficult person, you know, and trying to understand that, but I don't want to take it away right now on me just yet. I want to continue working through what you're saying. So tell us more now about your model relationship, the RP, the relationship protocol. And we've already touched on why it works, but let's go a little bit deeper into it. Right. The model itself. Yeah, whatever you're willing to tell. But before you do that, yeah, where should we look for your book? Is it on Amazon or should we go to your uh, website? Both. It's on my website. My website leads you to Amazon, but you'll learn more about me and what I do on, on my website. And is your website your name? It's the Relationship Protocol. What was I thinking? Oh, yeah. you do have your name too, right? Hmm. We're going to have to talk about that, Missy. <laughs> Actually, Amazon comes up right away when I do that. Um, I'm going to share everything in the chat, guys, for you guys. As they know, it also goes out on the replay and it lives on our site. But I'd like them all to see your book and your site right now. So tell us about the relationship protocol. So the relationship protocol um, helps you to understand what you need to have a healthy relationship. And again, this applies to all important and close relationships. And I can even tell you the difference of how I define important and close two different things. Please do. Please okay. do. Let me, okay. So important relationships are relationships that close relationships, let me start there, are people who you feel close to, who matter to you, whether it's family, dear friends, um, close co-workers. Important relationships can also be close relationships. There can be an overlap for sure, and there is an overlap. But important relationships can also be your ex-spouse, your boss, your neighbor, people who, your mechanic. I mean, they're people who are in your life. Um, some of them are forced in your life because you may have a coworker that you have to get along with that person or a colleague, but you don't like them very much. You wouldn't choose to hang out with them but you still have to have a rapport with them so that together you can accomplish the goal of the project, the company, whatever it is. You may have an ex-spouse who you would love to have nothing to do with, but in fact you share a child or children. So you have to know how to talk to that person. So part of what I teach is that it doesn't really matter who the person is. There are rules that apply to having a conversation and you can put as much of yourself into it as you want to, but whether it's someone that you don't like very much but you have to hang with, or your mom or your sister who you want to develop a better rapport with, or your business partner, it's all the same rules. You may speak a little bit differently, obviously, to your business partner than to your mother, but it's the same concept and it comes from the same place of a desire to get along. So in order to have a healthy relationship with any of those people, because you can have a healthy relationship even with somebody you don't like very much, you can bring that to it and approach it in a certain way is really more of what I'm talking about. So the two key elements give you the approach, the, perspect the perspective that I want you to have to have a healthy relationship. And then the four steps of the model give you the how-tos. How do you have the conversation? How do you uh, introduce a topic? 
um, keep it clean and nice. How do you, uh, what do you do if it takes a left turn and uh, there's a conflict and how do you rebuild trust? So it has a lot to do with realizing that every interaction can change the trajectory of that conversation and sometimes of the entire relationship. Um, so the two key elements, I'll, I'll tell you what they are. I'll give you a little. Um, a little so the key elements are, the first one is commitment and they're both mandatory by the way. So as I tell you about these two key elements, I want you to think about the relationships in your life that, that are easy. Just mm -hmm. even one person that you just have an easy relationship with. You don't really have to think too much about it. Someone that you adore, they adore you and you just know it. Well, right there, that's a committed relationship. You know that this person matters to you. They know that they matter to you, you matter to them, and you're committed to each other. When we have that natural commitment where we have each other's back, when the person isn't with us, I'm not feeling insecure that they're either cheating on me or talking about me, or they're not gonna show up again when they say they would. When none of that exists, we have a clean commitment. Mm. That's the first requirement. Because as soon as there's any blips on the screen, <laughs> that could include anything, the commitment feels a little shaky and we feel insecure or angry or um, concerned and it's not as safe for us, for anybody. Yeah. So commitment is number one. Number two is, I call it shifting your thinking because again, in healthy relationships, we naturally have a relationship focus where I think about us we, we're on the same team. I, 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 I want to make you happy. You want to make me happy. If I'm doing something, I consider your feelings. And I describe it where if you picture an umbrella like over you and the other person and you're under it together, holding on to the stem, not necessarily against the world or the rain, but, but you're in this together. We're both, we know we're in a relationship. We know we matter to each other. And so shift your thinking from I, me, or what's missing or what's wrong to an us. Now that, um, I call it turning toward and turning away. You wanna to be turned toward in a relationship. So even if I'm annoyed at you and I'm ticked at you, you still matter to me. That guides how I speak to you. Versus if I'm turned away, I'm gonna tell you to go F off and you know, go somewhere else. Now I might be turned away just for a minute or whatever, cause I'm, I'm very annoyed. I need to remind myself that's not who I wanna be. I turn toward, that's when I'll say, look, I don't like what you're doing. I may, maybe I shouldn't have spoken to you that way, but I don't like what you're doing. Um, so turning toward the other person is the language that I use is very important to be committed and turning toward. The other thing is sometimes, and I really only added this recently, sometimes we're so distracted by our lives and we're so involved in other things or we're oblivious that that the other person exists because we just don't really know we're supposed to do something for them that also feels like turned away it feels the same way as if you're angry at them the person feels like you don't have their back you're not interested in them you're not having a relationship focused it's a much more me i self uh, orientation so the two key elements are commitment and shifting your thinking to a relationship focus. And when you have that, if you, again, think of the comfortable relationships that you're in, you naturally have it. So when I'm working with anybody, I'm teaching them, I'm looking first to see, do they have the two key elements? Because if they don't, I'll teach you how to have a conversation, but you're not gonna really have a fulfilling or a smooth sailing relationship if you really don't trust each other. And the two key elements create that safety net for you.
So that does bring me to the example of say, say I have to talk to a person who I am, I'm first going to choose commitment to them. That's really beautiful how you describe that because a lot of times I'm like, F you, I don't care who you are, you know, and then I am turned away. So I'm definitely not, I'm not succeeding in those two areas, right? So say I choose to do that. I choose to be committed. I choose to really go towards the person. The person's extremely difficult. Does, what happens if the person can't receive the information? So is this a, is this a generic question or is this there like, do we know that this person can't receive, but this person is important to me? So, so I'll just give my example. I don't care. It's my brother who's very, very difficult, very okay. difficult, taking care of my mother, whatever. So I choose to just whatever. So say I decide I'm going to be committed to him. I'm going to commit to this relationship and try to work it. And I'm going to turn towards him and I'm going to try to have a conversation with him. But he doesn't really usually want to hear anything, no matter what, unless it's his way. You're able to coach people through that as well. Well, the key is consistency. So if, if you make a commitment to yourself that this is my, I've had people come, I, I, I mean, I've had so many people come to me and, and we have these conversations in businesses so often where people are just, I don't want to deal with this. I'm not dealing with that. And, and you have companies falling apart because the two business partners can't have a conversation. But if you think about your brother as, this is my brother, he's important to me. And I, I'm determined to at least give it a try, not just one time, but I'm going to be consistent. And that doesn't, when I say commit, committed, it doesn't mean that you have to fully embrace everything about this man or like everything about him, but committed to at least trying, committed to making an effort. And what that means is being kind, not uh, getting in his face, not um, rejecting what he's saying. You can say, look, we're not going to agree. I don't like the way you're talking to me or it feels like you're not listening to me. I'd appreciate it if you give it a try. I mean, you do it a few times and then, it, I mean, if you can't reach someone, if they're narcissistic or if they're really shut down, I would never say to you, don't talk to your brother again. That's not my nature to do that. And I always think it's personal choice what people choose to do. I would never, I, I really believe that. But I think that the one person can make a huge difference in any relationship. If you choose to not argue, there's no argument. It doesn't continue. Right. So it's the same concept. Maybe he's used to you relating to him a certain way. And that's like that couple, the, the editor, her boyfriend was used to her behaving a certain way. And she said he's been nicer to her because she was nicer to him. Maybe you have an edge when you're talking to your brother that if you don't have that edge, or if you lean in and you say, look, let's uh, try clean slate here. How can I be helpful to you? Or I, I don't know what it is you're looking for from him, if anything, but a different approach and consistent and sincere when they start to believe that you're sincere and that can take a little bit of time, that can change an entire dynamic. You yeah. change. No, it makes total sense to me. And what I like about it too is, first of all, it's very vulnerable to have those conversations. That's why I liked when you gave the example, starting with somebody who you don't have these issues with. Yeah. Feel that experience. But it's a very vulnerable thing to have these conversations with somebody who you've had difficulty with. But what I love about your process is even just feeling into it, I know doing it, it makes total sense that I'm doing the best for myself too. Yeah. And that's what helps. Like, cause then you do the best you can. And if you keep showing up a certain way, and if that way doesn't get met because of narcissism or whatever, I've done the best that I can. Exactly. And, and I want to also, better. it feels better. And I also want to add, even with someone 
like the situation you're giving, I'm not even saying have a real conversation. I'm just saying show up nicer. See yeah. if that, you know, I don't, I don't, I would never tell you to be vulnerable if that's not comfortable. What I would say though is, you know, titrate it, start small and see what happens when you're nicer. See what happens if you call and you just check in and, and see how that feels. But it's leaning into something rather than turning away. No, I love it. I think it makes perfect sense, Deborah. And I think it's a beautiful way to change dynamics and relationships, but also I could feel the shift even in myself. That's why I asked you that. So um, what, what if we're in the conversation with the person and we're feeling triggered or overwhelmed or upset? What kind of tools or techniques or what suggestions do you make? Because I know a lot of people have those experiences too, where you're in a conversation and you're getting triggered in the moment. Mm -hmm. How do you remain committed to what you're choosing to do? You know what I'm saying? The commitment and not turning away. So what do you tell people to do in those types of situations? Well, there's two things you can do. I mean, one is if it's conversational, if, you, if you're able to say to the person, um, I don't like the way you're talking to me, if that's what's happening, that's okay to say. I don't know that you're going to get a result. They may say too bad, then they haven't been using my model. But um, the, the goal is that you could share that with someone. I'm having a hard time with what you're saying. But, but personally, into, you know, within yourself, if you know that you're triggered, I'll use the term, to me, a trigger is when we have an emotional reaction to something. It could be obvious and big. It could be um, more internal where you're shutting down. But either way, this is when I use my hands. It's like you're having a conversation and, and the response kind of should be here, but it's here or it's here. So this part of it is irrational, usually. We know when we're overreacting to something, usually, hopefully we have a gauge that we've had a bigger reaction. So that's the trigger. The thing that I teach is if you look at triggers on three levels, and the example I give is um, road rage because it's an easy one. So if I'm driving in my car and uh, someone cuts me off and I get really annoyed, okay, no big deal, you know, I get annoyed. But if someone cuts me off and I go crazy, like you son of a bitch, and I grab the wheel and, you know, pedal down and I'm going to, and all of a sudden I realize, you know, I'm, what am I doing here? Like I'm driving like a mad woman. Something changed. So I know that I'm, I, I was tripped up by something. By the way, usually it means you feel like they've disrespected you. Mm -hmm. Most people have a anyway, different conversation. But so what I teach is level one, level two, level three. So level one is what are the facts? What's actually taking place? What's the reality of the situation? Level two is um, what's an appropriate reaction to what's going on? Level three is when we're triggered. I call this levels of emotional awareness or LEA. So in that scenario, what are the levels? So level one is I was driving in my car and someone cut me off. Those are the facts. Level two, what's an appropriate reaction? The first one, when I got annoyed. Level three is when I'm over the top, I'm triggered. So in that case, I was grabbing that wheel like a crazy woman. And how you get out of that trigger 
as a starting point. I mean, there are many things you can do to really understand where it came from and all that, which I, I'm not going to get into now. But what you do in that moment is you say to yourself, what are the facts? Put your feet on the floor, get grounded. What are the facts? The facts are, I was driving, this person cut me off. Okay, so technically I really don't need to chase them and hurt them. Like I need to calm down and I need to get into level two, which would be just being annoyed at this person. So you talk yourself out of these things in that moment at least. First you have to recognize it and then you have to look at what are the facts. When Charlie said that to me, did he say that because he wanted me to feel like crap or did he say it because he was just telling me how he felt? Okay. And did he know that it was going to affect me that much? No. Okay. So that's on me to figure out all of that. But for now, I can be annoyed at him that he spoke to me that way, but it doesn't ha I don't have to go there. It's not always as simple as it sounds, but it really works if you can come back to the facts and look at what took place and make a decision then about how to respond. Because it doesn't feel good to feel out of control. And when we're triggered, we're out of control. And everybody gets triggered by something. So, you know, we are out of control when we're triggered. And this helps you to, you know, if you come back to the reality or the facts, that helps you to get grounded again and realize oh, I'm up here somewhere. I need to, it's called the window of tolerance. You're out of the window of tolerance when you are, uh, and I didn't coin that expression, but when you're doing therapy, I do trauma work also. So when you're doing trauma work, you can't do trauma work when someone is out of the window, which means they're triggered up here somewhere like, you know, like screaming, going, crying outwardly, or when they're below the window, when they're solitary and, you know, more internal and yeah, withdrawn. So the, the, yeah, completely. Because what's interesting is I was having a conversation. I don't think you know uh, Dr. Gladys Alto. Mm -hmm. um, well, we were talking yesterday on another page. It doesn't matter. She did a program for us in membership about grief. And what's fascinating is we're all teaching in our own ways consciousness. Mm -hmm. yep. Because you're, I love the Leah term that you have, levels of, um, levels emotional. of emotional awareness. Mm -hmm. And consciousness can save us from so much. Yeah. Do you want to speak to that at all? I mean, the triggering, the rabbit hole, the, there's just so much there. Everything I teach is all about making conscious decisions about how to move through the world. Because the decisions that you make affect you. Uh, I mean, self-awareness is such a huge part of what I talk about. And the only way you can make an effective decision is if you're aware of yourself, you're aware of your environment, internally, externally, aware of the people around you, and then decide how to proceed. I'll, I'll talk about who's on the other side of the interaction. The old joke is, where did I come from? And the, the parent starts giving a whole thing about childbirth, and the kid says, oh, well, Joey's from Brooklyn. You know, yeah. who's, who's, do you know that joke? Who's, yeah. on, <laughs> who's on the other side of the interaction? And it really means that if you have a partner who is unemotional and it's just who they are and you're expecting all of this from them, you've not, you've made a decision for yourself to try to get water from a dry well. So make conscious decisions about what your expectations are and how you want to proceed. And I'll also mention when I wrote my book, the, the chapter on self-awareness and stress is like chapter eight. And in my course, it's lesson one. Because I, I don't know what I was thinking, you know, the mistakes we make. I, and I said in the course that you can't 
be an effective person in the world and in a relationship, no less, or any relationship, if you're not aware of yourself and you can't make conscious decisions and you can't do great self-care if you don't pay attention to this. So it, it, all, it all comes back to that, really. Yeah, I agree with that a thousand percent. And I agree with it more so than ever, especially in the experience we're in right now in COVID. Yeah. How it's bringing, bringing a lot of people to consciousness they weren't really ready for, too. Yeah, definitely. So it's very, very interesting. Well, I want to open it up to Q&A, but before I do that, um, okay, so I just, we always ask the speakers to give us uh, some questions, and I wanted to go through them real quick, because um, Deborah's topic is, uh, I just think it's really fascinating and interesting, and I don't know a lot about it, so I always find those the best conversations for me, because I love learning. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions uh, that you did supply to us that I would love, I think we touched on this, but what is the best way to get a hard conversation started? Such a good question. So the best way to get a hard conversation started is by stating your intentions up front. Mm -hmm. In the relationship protocol, step one is I want to get along with you. Did you want to say something? I did. I wanted you to give us examples of that. Sure, I can. So I want to get along with you. I don't want to fight with you. I want to be closer to you. Or it could be, I'm so glad that we're having this time to talk. It means a lot to me to talk to you. Or I want to get along with you. I don't want to fight with you. I know this is a really hard conversation for us to have, but I think you know, we need to do this. When you state your intentions upfront about why you wanna have a conversation with someone, it makes them feel at ease. It just does. Otherwise, they're, they're, they're braced for something. When, all right, we need to talk about this. That's, or you just go right for it. But if you say, hey, thanks for making the time to talk to me, or you say something nice about them, I know you're making an effort, it means so much to me that you've been making an effort. When you introduce a topic, you've set the stage for them to engage with what you're saying and or to feel at ease because now they know why we're having, oh, we're having, oh, she doesn't want to fight anymore. Great. It doesn't mean it's not going to always go in that direction, but at least your intention is to get along with the other person. And you can use this in any circumstance with your kids even. I don't want to, I don't want to keep fighting with you about cleaning your room. This is really upsetting to me. We need to figure out a way to do this and let's try to all uh, you know, agree that we're going to be kind to each other while we're talking. So you're, you're kind of setting the stage for what I need from you and why we're doing this. And it's also, is this a good time to talk? You know, don't, so many of us want to have those big conversations right before, wait, wait, you're falling asleep? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Are you going to that big meeting? Wait, we got to talk about this. Yeah. Oh, you only have a minute? <laughs> Do you ever have, because uh, I'm sure you must have this when you're dealing with clients who are getting ready to have this difficult conversation with someone, do you ever take them through some, through some type of visualization or the worst things that could happen or do they ever need to, to go through that with you first before they go into a conversation? Well, sometimes we'll talk about what are you afraid of happening and yeah. then, you know, they, and I have done... Uh, imagery work where visualize, we call it like a future template, visualizing yourself having a conversation. After we have the conversation, I'll do it more, uh, practicing the conversation, visualize yourself having the conversation and it going well. 
And so now can you approach it more with an open chest and an open heart? And, you know, I think when we, I know you love this stuff, but I think when we lead with our heart and we lead with uh, our power at the same time, um, we're doing our best. We can't guarantee the results. What I try to do is help people to feel more equipped. And, and I'll, I'll give you one kind of funny story. I was working with this couple. This woman was a screamer. She just would like yell about everything. And she happened to get to my office when I was working in my office um, before her husband did. He was a tough nut. Uh, they were well-matched. And um, she came in and she said, I'm going to talk to him today and I'm going to tell him I'm so tired of this BS. And she was on a rant. And I said, hey, do me a favor. We've talked about how you should approach things. And when I'm sitting here and I'm guiding you, you do it and it works. So can you just try to bring up the topic by letting him know you appreciate that he's still coming, you know, because she never thought he'd show up for the first meeting. Can you just start with giving him a compliment, but authentic, and then introduce the topic with kindness and whatever. So she does it my way, and he says what he wanted to say. She said what she wanted to say, and it went well. About 10 minutes later, she said, I also want to talk to you about, and she, she went her way, and, and she started screaming at him. He got so ticked, he looked at her, he said, and I thought things had changed. And he got up, walked out, and slammed that door harder than I've ever heard it slam. And literally, like a punchline, she looked at me and she said, hmm, I, I guess your way really does work. <laughs> it's like, it was, there was a before and after shot right there, right in front of me. Was she able to go back to, was she able to do your way more? Well, she had no choice. Yeah. If she wanted her relationship to work, Exactly, the commitment. Yeah, you have to be committed. She was committed to making it work, but she was invested. You have to figure out what you're more invested in. If you're more invested in being right, and you're more invested in completing your sentence and you know, making sure they hear your point, you're never going to have a, an easy way of it because relationships, I hate this part, but they can't be about winning. No, I agree. I agree. Even I though I really do like being right, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I somebody taught me early on, not early on, um, about fifteen. Doesn't matter how many years ago, but it was quite a video. I was having a difficult relationship with somebody at work. They were really trying to push me under the bus, and mm. I knew it because I'm intuitive. So I knew what she was trying to do, and I was like, "Yeah, but it's wrong. It's wrong." And the spiritual advisor I was working with, she said, "No, whether that that has that's no business of yours. Mm. Whether she thinks she's doing right." You need to take yourself out of it and you need to decide what do you need to do for your own self-respect. So I left the company without wow. a fight. I felt very powerful, very good. And then three months later, the new bookkeeper, who was also on her little tag team, she was doing the same thing to the new bookkeeper. And she got fired. The girl got fired. And it was such like, I was, I really loved it though. Deborah, I was like, I knew I was right, you know, but um, what I love about what you said about leading with your heart and the power, I agree with that 100%, because I think when we make better conscious choices like that, I know from my own personal experience having difficult conversation, and I don't allow the triggers to get to me in the moment, I recognize the triggers, I'm able to walk away with those, from those conversations with my dignity, my self-respect, mm -hmm. and not losing it. You know, And so I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's an incredible way to do it. So um, I don't know even if we talked about this. Did we talk about me giving something away to your 
group. We, we would love for you to give something away. A lot of times people do processes too, but I don't know if Laura talked to you about that because some people are confused by it. But whatever you want to give away, we'd be happy to have. And if it's an opt-in, it's fine. Well, well I was going to say I do have an opt-in, but um, I'm trying to think if the... Um, it's the relationshipprotocol.com slash tell me, T-E-L-L-M-E. And tell me if it's an opt-in or if it's a, if it's the actual. Um, I'll tell you, two secs. Because if not, I can. It's, we're fine with opt-ins and they're fine with opt-ins too. So tell me, did you say? T-E-L-L-M-E. Yeah, I'll let you know in two secs. I can share my screen. I have three opt-ins on my site. One is for organizations. One is for confidence. Yep. Okay. So yep. I will share this with them right now, and I'll make sure that Laura has it. So okay. you can download the action guide. Just put your name in. So tell us what, what this is about. It's, it's If you're talking about having conversations, so this is three ways to have conversations. It's called tell me what to say, because we often don't know how to bring up a topic. We're afraid we're going to hurt someone's feelings or we're afraid it's going to take a left turn. So those are the three main areas. When I first did this guide, I had like 25 different problems that people have. And our business coach, Adam said to me, are you crazy? Like, give, like what are the three big ones? <laughs> I literally went to, I gave a talk and I brought them a 25 page. We always want to give, give, give. We <laughs> can confuse the heck out of them too. So go ahead. And some of those people said, wait a minute, what happened to that big like encyclopedia? So it's, it's those three areas. It's bringing up a top. These are the three areas that most people avoid conversations in these areas. Um, I'm not sure how to bring up something. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt your feelings. And I'm afraid that, you know, what do I do if things start to go bad? So um, this covers all those three areas and shows you how to overcome it. If you go to my website, I also have something called how to get someone to like you in under five minutes, which is under the uh, how to build your communication because how to build your confidence, confidence and feeling equipped to be able to, that's the website. So yeah. if you scroll down a little bit, few sections. Keep going. I think it's the fourth section. Yeah, this one. So the one on the left is for businesses. Um, and that, that one is called um, how to resolve conflicts without losing employees. Mm -hmm. The middle one is uh, how to get someone to like you in under five minutes, which is based off of a business insider article that I wrote. Um, and then the last one, that's the tell me what to say. Okay. So, and they're and, all really, you know, good nuts and bolts stuff. Yeah. And Kelly was asking about your course. So Kelly, if you go to her online courses here. Yeah. Ooh, it's a lot of information on it. <laughs> so is this a live class or is it digital? Because it says join the wait list. Yeah. So in September, I'm starting another cycle. It's a 10 week class. And what we do, it's called, this is called Write Your Relationship. And it is, there are recorded lessons, 20 minute lessons that are, uh, you know, dripped out every week. And there's a worksheet with each lesson so that you personalize the lesson for your own situation, relationships. And then once a week we meet as a course 
uh, as a class on Zoom. I only accept 15 people in the class. And for an hour we meet and I get to, I have a conversation with every person in the class. How are you doing? What'd you think of the lesson? Any questions, any challenges? And, and there is interaction amongst the group, but it's an opportunity for people to ask questions and I coach them through the, their transformations. And typically what happens is by the end of the 10 weeks, we have people who are in the driver's seat, which is the best way to describe it. Um, even if they thought they were, they have more clarity. And um, it's, it's, it's so gratifying to, to see the work that I know can be so powerful watching it in action. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, she says in the driver's seat and um, a lot of you sometimes have dreams. We do dream interpretation where you're not in the driver's seat in a dream. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to that because that's a big thing in your dream um, where you're not in the driver's seat of your life or even think about like if I think about certain relationships I have in my life, like my brother, when I'm around him, he's definitely in the driver's seat because I mute myself, you know, I, that's the way I've learned how to deal with him. Yeah. Um, so it's such a, I can see my own dynamics here, which is so great. I love yeah. that. And yeah. I do only accept a small group because I want it to be like an intimate classroom kind of a setting. Um, yeah. People are interested, just reach out and I'm happy to have a conversation. It's not for everyone. It can't be, I mean, if you're in an awful relationship or you're in a crisis um, or you're doing a lot of self-destructive stuff, it's not for you because you won't get the attention that you need. But if you're looking for some guidance and you, you really need some help to improve your communication, your confidence, a relationship, you know, come on board. It's, it's life-changing. Okay, so I'm sharing just two things I want to say to that. One, I'm sharing the Amazon thing because Kelly was looking for your book. Sure. So I shared her cat Amazon link, but you'll also find another thing. The other thing I would suggest, and I'm sure Deborah, Deborah, you still take private clients, right? I do. Um, is your book on Audible? Not yet. It doesn't look like it. No. Is it on Audible or no? No. I know. That's, I know, that's something someone told me, I can't remember who it was who wrote a book and she's like, make sure you put it on Audible when you write a book because it's the biggest yeah. thing, I know. I, I, for me, probably would pay for someone to read it on the thing. I will also tell you that my private practice is pretty full though, so really the course is a great way to get to me and okay. to, to and quickly. Okay, they, there's the answer. So we do have some questions, please do type in your questions. I will take, check the Facebook page too except that I don't have to check it on my phone because it's Zoom. But um, in Zoom, please, uh, we do have a question. And Kelly, thank you for answering that stuff, asking that stuff. And you have all that information. And if you don't have it, please let us know and we'll get it to you. So um, I don't know who this is. It's fine that it's anonymous. I often threaten divorce to my husband lately. We are very different people. He's not emotional and very disorganized. I'm the opposite. What do you suggest to say differently? How should I approach him? Well, stop saying you want a divorce. If, I mean, we all say things like that in anger, I guess, but that's the epitome really of not behaving in a committed way. And you give him permission then to not fully be invested. And I know that might sound harsh and I, I don't. Sorry, someone on the Facebook page was asking for your information. So I'm trying to type it in, but go ahead. Oh. I, I, first of all, I, whoever you are, anonymous, I don't want to sound like I'm being harsh, but I want you to really understand that if you're trying to get him to change, 
the best thing you can do is try to be similar to what I was talking to Marilyn about consistent and kind and let him know that you would like to try to be better on your end because even if most of it is him, um, you have to lean in a little bit too. So if you can lean in with an attitude of wanting to get along and trying to give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he also can try, you'll approach it differently. I, I talk a lot about benefit of the doubt because when we approach people by giving them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they can change or that they want to put their best effort forward or whatever it is, it lightens us up. It, it helps us, not just them. So I think if you approach him from a place of we, us, and um, your desire to, to make an effort too, you might get something different from him. I don't know if that's a different approach than you've taken, but, but that's where I would start. I hope that's helpful. I think that's- not threaten divorce. <laughs> All right, go ahead, say that again. No, I just said try not to threaten divorce because it really does give them permission then to say, yeah, she doesn't give a crap. Why, I mean, why should I bother? She's going to leave anyway. She's just going to threaten divorce. It's, I, I, I'm so tired of hearing that because it, it takes away from your power when you do that. Unless you mean it, don't say it. Yeah, I, I always called it, um, and this is not against whoever that person is, so just know that no. we're speaking in a teaching tool type of way because we don't know your specific circumstances. Yeah, I promise. That's why yeah. I <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. All of that was really good because I actually related to that. And then um, one of the things was, um, oh, where did it go? Oh, I called it uh, manipulation. I can't remember what I usually call it. Um, a friend of mine did stuff like that. Basically, to manipulate a response from them. Mm. So they would say, threaten certain things, just could. So it was like a passive thing to manipulate a response. And yeah. So I agree with Deborah. When I did couples therapy with my boyfriend that I was living with a while ago, um, that was a lot of some of what you're suggesting, not what all you said, because I've never heard this before. And I think it's great. And I love the commitment to the relationship. I think it's phenomenal. I think everybody should. We have a few people on member on the Facebook page that want your information. I just shared it, so I would check Deborah's out and read that book. Good. Um, but I I do agree about. I could say from a psychic. I'm not even talking about my experience. But from a psychic experience, when people would come to me about, I want a divorce, what do you think? You know, we're doing a readings, nine times out of 10, it was work on yourself. Like be, mm. be committed to, you know, cause you're, you need to really get comfortable with what's going on in you in this relationship mm. before you blame the relationship in full too. So um, that absolutely. was something that would come through. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that, that's the message I was trying to get across there. No, you did get it across. Okay. What I'm loving about this is for me personally, you know, the work that I do, it, it, it doesn't get titled very well. And that, that's why I'm loving the consciousness and everything. It, it, it really works across the board. So I just love it. Good. Um, okay. So if anybody else has any other questions, otherwise I'm going to ask a couple of questions, please type it in. They're loving the conversation. Oh, good. Yeah, no, this is really great, Deborah. Because I see, we have a, I have a few students that recently have reached out to me. They're having difficulty in relationships. I see this a lot. And I also see this, and I want to know what you think about this. When they start changing themselves, like a lot of my students, I hate to call them students because they're just so much more than that to me. Um, a lot of my community, when they step out into, it makes me want to cry because I love them so much when they step out into a spiritual arena and they start working on their spirituality and they've been in these marriages for like 25 years and all of a sudden they're changing. And that changes the dynamic of the relationship because the person is like, wait a second, 
used to be such a caretaker and now you're not there for me or now you're not appeasing me or now, you know, and the person's like starting to take care of their own self again. Mm -hmm. You, I'm sure you come across that in therapy. Do you have suggestions about how to handle that in communication as well? And am I clear enough in my question? Totally. And actually the course that I teach, I don't, most people that come don't come with their partner. They come on their own because they want to improve themselves. If, if the conversation is based on I'm growing and I'm changing and their, their partner isn't, if that's kind of what you're saying, or that there's this, just this shift in this dynamic between them, I would prefer that you do have a conversation about it, but you can do it with kindness. You can say, you know, obviously there's something different about me and I, I, I like this. I, I'm feeling more free and more open and I'm taking better care of myself, but I'm not doing it to hurt our relationship in any way. That is gold. That is gold because I think so, and I don't even understand, I didn't even understand that piece of it because I think so many of them are like, he's going to tell me not to do it or he's not going to approve or I'm going to keep it to myself. So. Yeah. Nope. If you're not doing something that's intended to, you know, it, it look, if, if I pick a hobby and this hobby completely takes me away from my family, so I'm not picking up the kids at school or, you know, I'm, I, I, there's like any responsibilities that I had originally agreed to, I'm not doing and I don't say anything, but I've changed the, the rules. That's not fair to anybody either. So in that situation, I have to say, look, I'm not going to be around to do this, but how can we figure this out or let me figure out how to negotiate it? But in general, if I'm doing personal work and I'm growing and I'm learning about myself and caring about myself more and carrying myself differently, that's not something I should be ashamed of or that I should hold back with, I think, um, as long because it's going to benefit everybody. The key is to then say to your partner, and actually the step three of the model is I'll never do anything to intentionally hurt you. Mm. So that's the messaging to, to, I'm looking like there's a partner here, you know, to your partner to say, I'm not doing this on purpose to be harmful to our relationship at all. As a matter of fact, I hope it enhances our relationship, but I feel differently about myself. I feel better about myself. And I, I want you to feel good with me that I feel better about myself. Join me in this rather than, you know, go ahead. Finish your sentence rather than. Well, rather than get turned off or be threatened by it. I'm still in this with you. I'm not going anywhere. And I, and I, and I apologize if it has hurt you or, or you feel like it's changed our relationship, but, and I'm happy to talk about that, but my intention isn't to be hurtful. So what if you do, uh, I love that, but what, and I want to check Facebook. What if you do, cause you're going to see me look at my phone ask, right? This oh, question. I'm listening and I don't want you to think I'm not listening to you. What do you do if it's a topic that they don't really approve of? So a lot of my community is studying psychic ability or mediumship or speaking to, you know, deceased loved ones. And a lot of times what we find, Deborah, is the husband comes along for the ride afterwards. But in the initial thing, they've been in the closet, they, they feel certain things, they're having these healing abilities, and now they want to study how do they approach their, their partners, even their kids? Sometimes their kids are like, you're crazy, mom. I imagine it's some of what you just said, but I just want to add, I want to ask that. Yeah. Interesting. What comes to my mind, and I, I'll answer that directly. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I had a woman who joined my class 
and her husband was a very buttoned up Wall Street guy. And he said, I don't want to pay for this class. I don't want you taking this class. You don't, we do, we're doing fine and you don't need to learn how to communicate. You don't need any more confidence where, you know, and he was very much against her taking my class. Didn't want to pay for it, anything. She took it on her own. And I said to her, can I make a suggestion? Why don't you just say to him, hey, do me a favor, take 20 minutes, just listen to the first lesson. You don't have to listen to it with me. Just listen with an open mind. Somehow he agreed and he went and listened to the lesson and he came back and he said, well, she sounds like she knows what she's talking about. Mm. And then he listened to the next lesson and he literally said, you know, there's a million guys on Wall Street that need this class. Wow. I love it. So I think if you say to your partner, this is something I'm interested in. You don't have to be interested in this, but I need you to respect the choices that I'm making you know, but this is important to me and it doesn't feel good if you're making fun of it or if you're putting me down for it. it. It's just not nice. And I wouldn't do that to you. And I'd appreciate the respect of you not doing that. It can be as simple as that, which is not so simple, but it could be that, you know, in isolation or it can be, and I'd love to show you what I'm learning because it's kind of cool. And I, I, I kind of think you'd like it and, or we could do it together. So it depends. I don't know obviously lots of different relationships, lots of different approaches, but part of it can be kind of creating this boundary, this space of how you want to be treated around this and, or come on, do it with me. Those are the really, I think two, there are probably more, but the two that come to mind about how to approach. Yeah. And I think what happens, I'm going to see the last question. Then I'm going to let you go. Uh, hi, Deborah. That's what I told my husband years ago. And now he accepts what I do. Thank you. Lo I love listening to you and it's been amazing. Oh, good. Uh, and it worked. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. So this is something I was going to bring up too, Mary. She says, sometimes as you grow and change, a lot of the old way doesn't fit anymore. It could feel a bit lonely sometimes, even though it's for the best. So um, I'll read that slower. And then I do have a follow-up question, but then there's also a Q&A and I do want to let Deborah go, but this is such a great topic for us. Okay, I'm good. Sometimes as you grow and change a lot of the old way doesn't fit anymore. And it can feel a bit lonely sometimes, even though it's for the best. So that was her, just her comment. Um, if you have anything to say to that, you can, but otherwise I have a follow-up. You know, I see that a lot when people do a lot of personal work. And actually I see it a lot with people that are single because they're good, there's good news and bad news that comes with being single. The field gets uh, narrower because, which is not always the great news, because now you see things that you didn't see before. And the people that you want to be dating um, aren't, there aren't as many as them of them, because you're going to be more picky, more selective than you would have been before. And, and you see the, the hot spots quicker than you would have if you're not really paying attention. But I think in, in, in long-term relationships with siblings or family or friends, we can grow out of people, which can be sad. So it depends, you know, sometimes I say, so they move from here to here. <laughs> they may not be in our immediate circle, but maybe because of our history, they still matter to us, or we still want them in our lives. Or sometimes it's not serving any purpose and it's more difficult having them in our life. It becomes more of a weight, you know, than a, uh, something that fills us up, it drains us. So it, it so depends on the relationship and the, the person and how they're receiving the changes, I think. 
Yeah. And also I find I've noticed just from being an observer that a lot of times the partner, whether it's a husband or wife, they're afraid of losing. Yep. So if I say a husband, just because it's easier, they're afraid of losing their wife because their wife is now taking interest in things that they're afraid, they're afraid of. They're like, oh no, she's going to not need me anymore or whatever the limiting thoughts that come in. Yeah. It can feel threatening for sure. And I think it's important. Yeah. I just see as goals change. Absolutely. Um, is there still a shared goal? Is there still uh, or respect for each other's goals? <clears throat> yeah. A lot of it's about respect and, and feeling cared for. And, and, and I think if you are committed to the relationship and if you value each other, so much can be accomplished and you can go in different directions, but still come back to a solid core. I agree. And I think one of the best pieces of advice I got, because I did one of those flipping out moments, um, my therapist said at the time, what do you need to do to maintain your self-respect? Which was an awareness piece. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't to flip out and throw a tantrum. It, it really made me start looking at myself. How do I need to respond right now to maintain my self-respect in this moment, in this conversation? Sure. Yeah, it really is about your own dignity and your self-respect. And you have to be true to yourself and know where you begin and the other person ends. And Deborah, I say that all the time. Repeat that. <laughs> you have to know where you begin and where the other person ends. I mean, there are these invisible lines all around us that are called boundaries. And we all need to keep our space and hold our space for ourselves and for others and with respect. And, but, you know, if you're going to tolerate that, you know, I don't know if it's Oprah, that people treat you the way you let them. I mean, or Maya Angelou, you know, somebody brilliant said that, and that's really the truth. Yeah. And I see it all the time. Like, why are you tolerating that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go back to that Leia. I love yep. it. Levels of emotional awareness. Because even if somebody's treating you not well, you really want to bring that consciousness back to things. Yes. What so are the facts? And in that situation, it's would I let that person speak that way to my child, to my friend, you know, if I heard that being spoken or, or behaving that way towards someone else, would I tolerate that? Would that be okay? And if not, then why am I tolerating it? So I'm going to take this. Thank you for that. I'm going to take this last question. It's kind of everything we t talked about, but I know that Camille struggles with this quite a bit. And I understand this, Camille, because I've had these struggles in my own family dynamic and had to work through it. <laughs> and it's a work in progress sometimes. She says, is respect the best way to always approach a topic? If so, what if you're not shown the same respect from the individual? Siblings older who have more control over you in a motherly way when it's a sister or brother. When you're the youngest sibling and neither oldest siblings take me having anything worthwhile to contribute when I feel I do. We're very different in ideas and so much more. So relate to you, sweetie. So here's where the relationship protocol comes in. You say, I mean, let's say you wanted to make a point. I'm assuming that there are times when you want to say something and you're, you're not feeling heard is clearly what's happening or, or acknowledged. Yes. Okay. I can kind of see now I'm paying attention. <laughs> um, so what you do is you, you, you use the model by introducing the topic. So you say, um, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that your 
no, wait, let me scrap that. I want to talk to you about something that's important to me, and I hope you'll give me the courtesy of listening. So now I've set the stage. And then you, if they start to speak to you after you finish what you need to say, if they speak to you with disrespect or in a condescending tone, you say, you know, I'm going to guess that you may not realize it, but the way you talk to me can be really condescending. Or I want to get, so I started saying before, I want to give you the benefit of the doubt that, and trust your intentions, that you don't want me to feel badly, but the way you talk to me just isn't very nice. And so I just, could you please rephrase that or, or think of your tone? Because it's hard to give you the benefit of the doubt. It's hard to trust your intentions when you talk to me that way. So benefit of the doubt, trusting intentions, stating your intentions for what you want to say. I want to have a good conversation with you. And as soon as someone treats you in a way that doesn't feel good, call them out on it, but you can do it nicely. I, that doesn't feel good the way you're talking to me. Or, you know, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you don't realize the way you're talking to me isn't nice, is condescending, is hurtful. But you never have to tolerate that without push pushback. But you can be kind. That's how you maintain that boundary. I'm sorry, you're like stepping in my space now. And that's not nice. That's sort of how it feels. So I'm going to say to you, because I don't want to um, alienate you or, or piss you off, because then I'm going to feel worse, possibly. So I'm going to assume that you don't realize that what you're doing is so painful for me. But the language that works best, I think, is I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you just don't realize. And I say it so nicely, like that, you know, they can't even imagine that I'm really letting them have it, but I am. So. Yeah. And she, and she says, and I want to say something, Camille, go back and listen to everything, how Deborah said it. And I would even suggest writing it down because when you're not used to communicating that way, it could be very, um, it can make you very, for me personally, when I wasn't used to it, I could be very like this or, you know, that kind of feeling. So that's why, like she said, Eve, I'm sure they do. You said you practice it or something. I used to practice things like this with my therapist and stuff. Yeah. And um, you're laying a boundary down. She says, sounds like I need to be strong yet kind, but kind is an interesting word to me because who are you taking care of in that moment? Deborah's giving you advice to take care of you in that moment. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely about being kind, I think, and respectful, but it's also about me standing in the power of who I am. Exactly. Listen, I, I'll teach you how to communicate, but I'm also going to tell you that not everybody is going to treat you fairly and, mm -hmm. and be nice to you. And you have to be, that's also having confidence communicating is saying, I don't like the way you're talking to me. That doesn't work for me. And also when someone comes to you and says they don't like what you're, you know, they may, let me say this to you, Camille, you may say that to them and then they may turn to you and say, oh, you think you're so nice to us? Mm -hmm. Oh, you think, you know, because it's always tit for tat. So what I want you to do, if that happens, is I want you to say, you know, and I'm really sorry. I'm sorry that if something I'm doing is making you feel badly, because yeah. that's not how I want you to feel. That this is, that's the full relationship protocol. Because step three is, if I'll never do anything to intentionally hurt you, and now you've told me that I've hurt you, even if I don't believe it, or I think you're being ridiculous, I own it. And I say, and it's not always so, it's counterintuitive a lot of time, but I'm sorry that I've hurt you, that I've made you feel badly. I don't want to do that. Hoping that then they'll say, well, I don't want to hurt you either. But yeah. they may not come to that on their own. They may need to see you say, hey, I'm sorry that, that I hurt your feelings. Or if you think, that's right, it's not my intent to do that. Really sorry. 
Um, and so I hope you realize that you do that to me or you up, up, up to me. And sometimes people are really stubborn and they are invested in who they are and how they communicate or there's narcissism or other stuff going on, but got to give it a try. So. Yeah, because I think that's great. I think all your advice was phenomenal, and I, and, oh, and and then it works. It, that's it's stuff logical. It's yeah, just, it's not fancy, right? Is there anything fancy that I said that you know? No, but I think the way you lay it out is very follow. It's, it really is incredible because you can follow it, and it it's mm -hmm. got um, you understand it. Instead of like, because a lot of times people are in these heated moments during these experiences and they don't, they've had this dynamic going on over and over repeatedly. Right. So what I love about Laura, what do I love about Deborah's thing is she lays it out in a way that feels so much, do, it feels doable. Mm -hmm. It feels clear. It clears out the clutter in the head so you have steps to follow. I have a friend who calls it uncommon common sense. Yeah. I love that. I think it's great. Um, um, and I know that I've done some of that and what they're always saying to me, Marilyn, you're, you have such great boundaries. This is how I learned boundaries. What Deborah's talking about was communicating with them with difficult family members and standing in with the power of what I feel and what I know, you know? So, um, I think that that's great. And also I love the way she does it where it's, it's not a fight. You don't have to get into a fight. You don't have to be stamping your feet. Nope. And you really, honestly, you can choose to not engage. You can choose yeah. to not allow to be spoken to a certain way. You can choose to not yell. You can choose to not be disrespected. You can choose to freaking just walk away. And you can even go like this if you're really pissed. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just not, if someone is not being nice to you, they're not being nice to you. It's just not acceptable. And you don't have to accept it just because you know them forever or they're a family member. You get to say, that's not nice. Yep. It's just not nice. And I don't want to be spoken to that way. Happy to talk to you. Let's do a take two. <laughs> like, but this one isn't working. I, I always leave. I'm like, gotta go. This is, this is where I go. Yeah. I call like, myself a flight girl. Cause I'm out of there too. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, um, one therapist had me do, which I thought was really beneficial for me. My brother like flipped out on me and she said, well, the next time you have a normal conversation, tell him that it's not okay. And if he does that again, you're going to hang up the phone on him. And tell them now when you're in a calm conversation yeah. so that when that moment happens, say, this is, so I did, we had a conversation. I said, I'm just letting you know, really hard, I'm not going to, blah, blah. Heated conversation happened like a couple of weeks. I was like, this is the moment where I'm hanging up on you. Thank you so much. Perfect. And I say the same thing. I say, don't hang up, say I'm hanging up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I also warned him. I was like, this is the behavior I'm not accepting anymore. So. That's right. And, and I will add one piece to that too. Please. <laughs> that if you think of the gears of a clock and how they are intersected and when one moves, it forces another, I can't really do yeah. that. So we are all connected in that way. So when you change, you force the people around you to change. If you refuse to be treated a certain way, if you start talking to your partner differently, you can break cycles where people are mean, where they're unpleasant. Mm -hmm. If you don't accept certain things and you stay true to who you are, eventually the people around you are forced to change. It just is the way physics and life and relationships work. So, and if they don't, then it's on them. It's not on you. And then you get to choose from a much clearer place how you want to continue. Exactly. And that's what I say. You know, you have to have clarity so you can make conscious decisions. So absolutely. 
Wow, Deborah, thank you. I'm going to take one more question, then I do have to go, guys. Um, how do you communicate with a passive aggressive person? That's a good one because passive aggressive people make me nuts. My husband yeah. will not communicate effectively with me and tell me his true feelings and then is unhappy with choices. I've made that he said was okay when I originally asked him. So the best thing to do is to confront him, but in a way that speaks to the facts. So you say, I wanna to talk to you about something because passive aggressive people, whether they intend it or not, they tick us off because it's, they're smiling at you, but they're swatting you upside the head at the same time. And it's awful. So it's, I want to talk to you about something because this is a pattern that I see. It's really not nice and watch. And I'm not even sure if you realize you're doing it. Mm. So I've now given you an out. I'm not even sure if you realize you're doing it, but you know, last week, you said that you wouldn't mind going to my mother's house for dinner. And the whole way there, you bitched and moaned about how you didn't want to go there or, or, or you made me feel badly about bringing you. And it's really important to me that you're more upfront about how you feel because I don't want to have to deal with me to then feel badly. You did it with this, you did it with this. So the next time I ask you to do something or the next time X, I'm going to ask you twice and I want you to take a minute to think about it and give me an honest answer because it's really getting in the way of our relationship and it's making me really ticked off at you lately. And I don't like the way it feels. Something like that. I love it. I love it. I think it's, it's great. Confront behavior and confront it from a factual, like this, because if you say it makes me feel this way, when you do that, it makes, and that's part of what I teach is how the other person feels has to matter to you. So, which is really true. So when you're talking to someone, you want to pay attention to how they're feeling. But in this situation, it's not about feelings. When you're truthfully dealing with a passive aggressive person, you need to give them the facts. This is what you're doing. This is how it impacts me. This doesn't feel fair. If I did it to you, I don't think you'd like it either. But you say it nicely. A lot of it is how we talk to the other person. If you're authentic and you're coming from a place of leaning in and wanting to get along, you have a better shot at having a better outcome. Right. Instead of being combative and like, yeah, it's never going to work. He's never going to change. Blah, 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 blah. And it may be true, but you have to at least try it from like, look at it like a, you know, a, a project where from all different sides, this is just one angle, one, one, one way to approach him. I love that. Cause I, I'd been taught about the feeling thing and, and I just love that you're really kind of assessing the situations. So, uh, I'm going to share your course again, because Helene is asking you where you practice, but she already said her practice is full. So your class starts when, Deborah? At the end of September. And I am accepting people now for that. Yeah. Check it out. Join the waiting list. See what you think. And let me know. I would definitely do that because that, that class sounds amazing. And what I think is going to be so beneficial about that, besides the fact that you're getting one-on-one -on -one with Deborah through, a, through a, a, a path, a proven path, you're also going to be with like-minded people. Yeah. And I think that that's really beneficial as we all know, because this community is so strong, how much that helps. So I think that that's really great. Group therapy work when I was in group therapy, accelerated my process, accelerated yeah. my healing. Yeah. I like having all the students also hear each other because it, yeah. it just enhances their learning. And, and truthfully, that is, it's from this program that the students were saying, Oh, I brought this to my business. And I, I you know, I, so now I have people who are in the class wanting to beta test the next program for their companies because they want to take it on a broader scale. I mean, it's, it's exciting to watch how yeah. this is expanding. 
when I think about this, I hope you're approaching Disney because I know that Disney likes to bring programs like this into their companies. I would love to if you yeah. want to help. Yeah, me. I will. I'm going to send your stuff over to a friend of mine um, without saying her name or anything and just see, I'll just uh, broach the subject because she is the, somebody who brings in people. Do you want to wait till the landing page gets up? Because I yeah, you, you send it to me when you're ready and I'll send it to her. Uh, so close. <laughs> yeah, just, just send it to me when it's done and I'll give it over to her and just I'm not going to tell you anything because I'm going to wait and see what she says. But I know that they bring in, they're very, very good company about bringing in people to really accelerate the performance level from a, a great place. Uh, you know, and I'm doing a lot of talks and companies and I was just with a media company and I'm going to be doing something Morning. I mean, it's just all good. There's things happening now because I think with the remote uh, workers, everything's shifted. People yeah. are feeling more isolated. Companies. It, someone said to me, "It's like the chickens are out of the coop, and no, nobody knows how to how to gather them about again." So yeah, so and it's, it's, also, it's making their workload a lot harder in some you know aspects for people. Definitely. Yeah. I know. Oh well, Deborah, this was amazing. So those of you who definitely go in, check out. I already shared with Laura the opt-in page. Great. Um, I shared the class page. Let me make sure I share that with De Laura too. And uh, do you have any, well, I'll forget otherwise, so I'm gonna do it now while we're talking. Um, do you have any parting words for everyone? Well, I loved every minute of this, by the way. So my parting words are, you are an awesome group. You have so much to offer. Lean into your relationships and bring your best self and things will start to change because that's what it's all about, being authentic and showing up in a real way, in a caring way, and you will see the people around you change. So you got this. Great, I love You're that. <laughs> of course, you know, I'm gonna try to talk to Deborah on the side about doing a course for us. But anyway, we'll talk about that later, Deborah. Deborah, okay. thank you. Um, I, can, I, you. I know how beneficial this is and I know that I, what I'm going to want to talk to you about is, uh, so just put your noodle on it, um, is helping people who are choosing to step into a different experience and how they can get the relationship dynamic to come along with them. Okay. Yeah, but we'll talk. But this was so beautiful. And let me know when your landing page is done, because I'll definitely send it over to her, because I think she'd be very interested. I will. Thank you, Marilyn. Thanks Thank for having Thanks, everyone. They loved it. People are clapping. <laughs> Thank you. Great call. <laughs> Bye, sweetie. Bye.